Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Jeff Norfolk and Mo Irvine in the studio to talk about prison ministry, which they both do together. Uh, it's a really good conversation. They tell us kind of what they experience there, what the prisoners experience. I hope you'll stick around for it. First, we have some biblical bites with Dr. B. Nice job, Renee. Bill, you can take that and use that as his song. Yeah, that'll be my that'll be the song. <laughs> the bumper music for bumper music. Bites. Oh, that's sad. Renee, what's today? Oh shoot. Uh seventeenth. Nice. Is that right? Nice. Sunday and, in ordinary and time. What year are we in? Well, I know it's year B. You don't have to keep asking right, me that. So, Everybody so the, knows that. So now. today's gospel is from Mark. <laughs> Oh, Bill already did TV mass stuff. That's I why did. he knows. Bill, oh, Bill, he Bill can't knows. answer questions now. So, well, but he already, he knows. So Bill, where's the, where's the gospel from? It'd be from John. John. It's John. 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 It's John. So because Mark, so this is part of, this is, this is not the inane banter that you hate and despise. Renee. I don't despise is, it. Um, Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel. Right. Right. So we have, we have A, B, and C. A is. Luke. Matthew. Matthew? I don't know. I had a 50-50 chance Matthew, there, I suppose. Mark, I don't know. Luke, and John. So okay. Matthew is A, Mark is B, um, Luke is C. John, we're, we're, there's, he's just sprinkled all over the place. John is sprinkled all over the place. And because Mark is the shortest, John is, is sprinkled in the late teens oh. of year B. Okay. So we are going to get actually for the next, I don't know exactly how many. Bill, how many next time? I'll see. I only went a week ahead. <laughs> so for the next few weeks, we're going to read from John chapter six. Ooh, that's my Ooh, favorite. Because what happens in John chapter six, Renee? It is the bread of life discourse. Right, right. So, but today we're actually starting at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. Uh, that's enough of my singing. I don't know what sure. that was from. I don't either. A very good place to start. Do re me. Uh, okay. See, that's because my singing is so bad. Anyway, right. um, the very beginning of chapter six uh, in, in John's gospel um, is about the the um, multiplication of the loaves and oh, fishes. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to touch on a couple details that many of us, next week we're going to talk about more as we progress these next couple Sundays, um, we're going to get more into Jesus tour, t- talking about how we need to eat his flesh and drink mm-hmm. his blood. And, mm-hmm. uh. I have to tell you, uh, last Sunday in church, I actually looked ahead at the readings <laughs> and my husband looked at me and said, are you cheating for biblical bites? <laughs> and it didn't do me any did good work? anyway, because I did didn't out. remember. You didn't remember. <laughs> so we'll talk more about, uh, in the weeks to come, more about the Eucharist. But a couple uh, highlights from, so John 6, 1 through 15 um, for today which again is the multiplication of those. But it starts, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. So there's a a lot of people following Jesus because of the miracles he's been doing. So Mm -hmm. these people are people who are curious, like, Oh my gosh, like Who he's is this guy? seemingly, seemingly. So they're not necessarily, there, there are disciples amongst them, amongst mm-hmm. them, but these, it's more than just disciples. It's also, also sort of the, the looky lures, like, oh, what's going on <laughs> sure. over here? Yeah. It's what it said in Greek. It says looky lure. Sure. That's um, where it comes from. And then, <laughs> then after that, Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. So in the Bible, Renee, when you hear about somebody going up on the mountain, what, what, what instance does that call to mind? Any other instances you can um, think of? I would say Moses going up on the mountain. 
So I want to actually stop with that. So okay. Moses is going to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Right. In fact, the Torah from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So there's significance. It's also Jesus in the Beatitudes. He goes yep. up on the mountain, transfiguration. So usually going up in the mountain is significant. And then there's all these things. He turns to Philip. Um, where can we buy enough food for them to eat? Jesus says to Philip. And Philip's like, mm. Philip said, 200 days wages. So it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars right. today. Like, and then, and then Andrew, like, hey, somebody's got five barley loaves and two fish, but what are good are they for so many? Well, then Jesus does his thing. The thing I want to highlight, though, is he took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining. He gave thanks. So little hit what's to come. The Greek word is Eucharistine, to give Ooh. thanks. Ooh. More on that in weeks to come. I can't wait. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today is Father Jeff Norfolk and Mo Irvine. Is it Irvine or Irvin? I Irvine. didn't ask. Irvine. Yep. Okay, good. I didn't ask you before we started. You got it. <laughs> good. Um, they are here today to tell us about uh, the prison ministry uh, at, is this at more than one prison? Yes. Okay. So it's the prison ministry that the two of them do together. Um, and I think there are some other people who do some prison ministry things. I know, um, oh. Deacon Tim and Thank Julie you. Dickus. Thank you. Deacon Dickus, who was, uh, we talked to, oh gosh, probably six, seven months ago. Um, so this is, but this is kind of something you guys have been doing for a little while. Yes. And we're going to talk about that and uh, get an idea of what kind of things you do, what this is all about. Um, I know Mo is especially excited to be here. So <laughs> we won't torture her too much though. <laughs> okay. So to start with Father Jeff, will you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Father Jeff Norfolk, born and raised in Mitchell, South Dakota, ordained a Catholic priest in 2009 and have been uh, in different areas in the diocese since ordination, currently stationed at the Cathedral of St. Joseph as the assistant prison ministry, and then doing some work with healing ministry. Yeah. And you do a lot of spiritual uh, direction as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mo? Yeah. So I grew up in Garrison, South Dakota. I'm the youngest of five. Okay. I went to college at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Okay. I have a BA in theology. And before becoming a prison ministry missionary, I worked for a Catholic church in Brookings, and then I worked at the cathedral for the past three years. Okay. I didn't know you went to school for theology. Yep. That's fascinating. I've always, whenever someone says that, I'm always like, oh, I'm so jealous. I would love <laughs> to do that, but I am not going back to school. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not in the cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like it the first time, so mm. I'm not going back again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll talk a little bit about just prison ministry in general. So Father Norfolk, will you tell us, so what does the church say, and maybe Jesus say, that how we should treat prisoners, what what we should be doing. Yeah, if we start from the Old Testament and move to the New Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, the story of being our brother's keeper, mm-hmm. very important. When Cain and Abel had their conflict, uh, he wasn't his brother's keeper. He didn't care for his brother. In fact, he ended his brother's life. And so God says uh, the importance of being one's brother's keeper in the sense of looking out for each other. Uh, and then Jesus speaks about often, especially in Matthew 25, about not being afraid of the stranger. Right. Not being afraid to reach out to those people that you're uncomfortable with. So for me, one of the places also is the Beatitudes when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Mm -hmm. Because in prison ministry, it requires a lot of mercy. People have seen stories of prisoners on TV. They hear their stories. They hear the horrendous things that many of them have done. 
And so to learn to be merciful so as not to be afraid of them. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, at least uh, this is what I can imagine, and I assume a lot of people would feel the same way, that um, this seems like work that would be that would be very scary to do. But maybe it's not. Yeah, we often get that question, I think. <laughs> do you feel unsafe right. inside the prison? Uh, I don't feel unsafe. And part of it is because we have security guards around us when we're inside the prison. But also when you build a relationship with, uh, we primarily work with men inside mm -hmm. the prison, sometimes women in the county jail. But those men would protect us also, I believe. Sure. That they sure. would stand up if we were in danger, if we were in harm's way, and so feel very safe. Yeah. Have you ever had an incident where you felt unsafe, Mo? Or has it been pretty good? No, it's good. Good. Yeah. Good. Because it just seems like, to me, like it would be a little scary, you know, but. Yeah, I think uh, it depends on what you're expecting when you're going in. That's true. And like, I don't think Hollywood helps <laughs> in you terms are of right. <laughs> how they like paint prisons and mm -hmm. inmates. Um, it's not like that. They're humans. Like, you know, yeah. they have real stories and real pain. And um, once you see that and you interact with them as a person, like your idea of prison changes completely. Yeah, that's really good to know. Um, okay, so Father Norfolk, were you assigned to this? Did you ask for this ministry? How did this happen? Yeah, my interest started in college, actually. Okay. Uh, I went to the same college that Mo did in Ohio. And so we did some prison ministry as part of college. And then when I went to the seminary in Colorado, we did some juvenile detention work as well as a federal prison. So the interest started in my 20s. And then I had a family member who went to prison. Oh, okay. And so that definitely opened the door as I would talk to this family member about uh, their experience inside of prison, what was missing, what the difficulties, the challenges were. Uh, and then as I knew that both of the current prison chaplains were about to retire, mm -hmm. then I started at least presenting the idea and the desire to Bishop Swain at the time that I was interested in in the ministry. Sure. So this has really been a long process for you of of building to this, yeah. which is good. Yeah. And you've enjoyed it so far. Yeah. I mean, every day is so different when you walk inside the doors, who you're going to see, <laughs> what you're going to experience. Because I, I don't want to give a false impression that it is a dangerous place. Sure. You know, I mean, there, there is violence and there's fights and things like that that happen. But I, I believe that there are means to help decrease that and, and give us as volunteers a safe experience. Right. I, I assume they aren't like, they're putting you in a safe environment. They're yeah. not putting you in any kind of uh, dangerous setup to begin with. So yeah. that's got to help and make everybody feel better. Yeah. So yeah. Mo, how did you get interested in this part? Yeah. Well, the short version of it is Father Jeff got assigned and I have known him from before. And so I reached out and I said, is that a thing? Like, do people volunteer <laughs> or is that just like a thing that you can do in college at mm -hmm. Franciscan or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, and so I let him get his feet wet at the prison for a little bit. And then I filled out the paperwork and started volunteering. And I started, I said, I'll give you one hour every other week. Okay. Like, I'll help with Bible study. And that quickly became every week for an hour, <laughs> multiple times a week. And then, yeah, I just had this desire to do it full time because... I see so clearly how the Lord's working in these men's lives and like how, when I see him working in their lives, he's working in my life as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like the short answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> the long version is longer than our show. <laughs> uh, not that Maybe long, not. but yeah, I just, I really like the rough yeah. around the edges people. Yeah. Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. You don't seem like a rough around the edges person. So that is kind of a surprise though. <laughs> I think uh, my heart definitely is rough around oh, the okay. edges. <laughs> 
there's a, I don't know, there's a secret show or something you've watched <laughs> that no one knows about that's the rough around the edges, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, can can you describe like a typical, like what happens when you go there? How does this, is it, you said it's different every day. So give us a typical, if that's possible, <laughs> or or a couple ideas of what you do when you get there. Yeah, so this morning we went to the county jail. Okay. We got there at 730 try to do an initial visit because many hours of the day they're on lockdown so we can't get in and see them. Okay. So we have to try and go when they can be released from their cell, where there's not a meal or where there's not some event. Some of them work during the day so we can't see them during those hours as well. So usually a couple hours in the morning are open, a couple hours in the afternoon, a couple hours in the evening. Okay. So it's usually two-hour chunks. We go in, uh, try and call a man from his cell up to our office to visit one-on-one. Or if it's a Monday evening, we have a Bible study, so they sign up and they come up for that event. Okay. And we get to visit with them. So it's either a one-on-one, it's uh, an event like a Bible study or a Catholic Mass on a Saturday evening or a Thursday morning. So usually there's a pretty strong intention of why we're going in, Mm -hmm. to see someone or to host some kind of event. Okay. And do they... Okay, do they ask for this ministry? Like if they're there, they're like, okay, I really want to talk to a priest or chaplain. Or is it you're going to do that? How does that, is it all volunteer on their part? I guess is what I'm wondering. Yeah? Mo, Father Father Norfolk's looking at you. He wants you to answer Uh, this. (laughs) um, Yeah, for the most part, it's like their desire. Like um, we can go sell front and like ask if they want to visit or something. And so if they're not interested, then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Their free will. That's great. Yeah. but a lot of times the guys are asking, like, I want to follow up with this conversation, or I had this question, or I want to know more about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And then um, they can fill out what's called a kite, which is just like this paper where they say, like, the request, like, I want a one-on-one, or I want to go sure. to confession, or different things like that. Okay. And um, <clears throat> are there lots of guys who are not Catholic that you guys talk to? Yeah? So, for example, Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, we have Mass, and out of the 25 that come— Probably half of them are not Catholic. Oh, wow. Um, is that because there isn't, are there other like chaplains from other faiths that go in there? There are. Okay. Yeah. You would be surprised how many groups, and not only Christian groups, Muslim. Uh, okay. There's a, a group called the Satru, which is a, a pagan group that mm-hmm. has many gods that they worship. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from uh, a nonviolence group. So, Many, many groups are part of it from religious standpoint, from secular standpoint. Uh, and so you have lots of chaplains, volunteers that are coming in and out to host events throughout the week. So they have some options. Yeah, many yeah, options. Yeah, and it's really nice to know that some who aren't Catholic are, are want to participate in that. Um, do they ever give you any indication, like, were they interested in the Catholic faith before they ended up in prison? Or... Is it something that has kind of come to them while they're there? Do you, do you ever get any indication of that? Um, both. Both. Yeah. Okay. So like there's a guy that I have been talking with who he was never baptized, but his family's Catholic, like culturally Catholic. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until prison where he was really starting to be moved towards like, I think I do want to take this seriously. I, I want to talk about getting baptized and receiving my sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have other guys who they don't really know what it means to be Christian or like one guy in Bible study was like, wait, are you telling me God died? 
Like that's a <laughs> thing. And I'm like, whoa, you don't know what it, like what Christian is. It doesn't even occur to us that yeah. they don't know that, does it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. Okay. So what are some ways that the, your ministry has had an effect on the men there and sometimes women, obviously, but what have you seen for effect on them? Yeah, a couple of things that I would initially respond to that. Because many of them come from broken families, mm-hmm. it's our desire to definitely bring Christ healing into their lives. And sometimes being in prison actually gives them a stable environment. Right. Where they can start over, where they can stop the chaos that they've been living, stop the addictions that they've been living. So the emotional aspect is very important, and especially the healing of the emotions but also giving them an environment where they can express emotions in a healthy way. Oh, sure. That's not volatile, that's not hostile. Mm-hmm. Secondly, for them to have a place where they can uh, discover who the heck am I? <laughs> What's my purpose in my life? And who is the one who gave me this purpose? Sure. A, a relationship with God, an openness to the reality of who God is. Um, even if they came from a Christian environment, a Christian family, adopted family that was Christian, there were still so many difficulties in their families that that wasn't a clear example or that wasn't a stable example given to them. So they're really coming in with a lot of questions, uh, sometimes misconceptions. And so a lot of it's question and answer. A lot of it is trying to help them just create a stable foundation of life mm-hmm. and helping them understand they're going to have to let go of some things oh, sure. or even some people mm-hmm. in their lives that are not Which is healthy. really difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the fact that, I mean, they really are coming from an unstable place, and uh, this is going to sound weird, and sometimes I shouldn't say things when I say that first, <laughs> that sometimes prison can be a good place mm. it, at, at it's that point in, the, in someone's life where they can find a different direction. I mean, it's definitely you don't want to end up there, but you can have a little time to, a resort might be better, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, wherever yeah. it, it happens, it happens. And then hopefully you can find God and and someone's there to help you get there. That's why you guys are there. Right? Yeah, I mean, more yeah. than one guy has said to us that coming to prison actually saved my life. Right, right. Because, That's kind of what I was trying to get at. He was yeah. way more eloquent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when they come to recognize that and then they're open to see how God was actually there saving their life, then many times they'll open up and say, okay, God, if you've done this for me, what else do you want to do in my life? I'm right. giving you this space and this time. And if they like to read, they can read all day long. Right. You know, yeah. there's plenty of things that they can read and study and learn. It's just a matter of how they'll use their time. Do you guys give them access to that or they have do they have access to materials and stuff in the in the prison? Um, we have a lot of books that okay. we we can let them borrow or give okay. them. Um, but then they also have a tablet where they have some, like an app with some books oh, on it sure. too. So sure. that's available to them. And That's kind of nice. Mo, have you seen any like conversions while you've been there? Um, or what, what's, is there a story you can tell that's a really good one? Yeah, there's a million stories. Oh, I'm sure. I, I would hope <laughs> yeah. so because this is, this is like difficult work. I'm sure it's emotional mm. and, and difficult. Mm. So, okay. Tell us one or two. Yeah. So <laughs> I think... The one that comes to mind uh, most clearly, Father and I were talking about this this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this man. So he was one of the ones that never really was exposed to Christianity, um, grew up on a reservation, and he was coming to Bible study. And there was this point when my sister and I were having a conversation with him afterwards, mm-hmm. and he was saying, well, you know, like, I don't know if I, 
like, I'm just kind of annoyed because Jesus didn't come to my people. Like he just skipped like the Native Americans. Sure. He didn't come. And my sister, the the quick thinking teacher that she is goes, he didn't come to my people either. He didn't go to Ireland or Scotland or all these different places. And he's like, oh, okay then. And I'm like, well, yeah, if that's your perspective that like Jesus sure. came to all these people, but he just skipped your people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'd be like gung ho about getting to know him either. That's a good point. Um, but just through the couple years that I've known him and the, and these conversations of like, what does Jesus want for your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I think the most beautiful thing that I've heard him say is I'm different when I pray daily. Oh, wow. Like I have a, my day is set off different because of this. And I don't respond to other things that I used to like in anger. And I've just seen him like want to be more active in his kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And like, when I first met him, it was like, now nah, they're good. Like people are taking care of them. And now it's like, oh, I know what's going on in my kid's life. I know how they're doing in school. I, I know the health concerns that they have. Mm-hmm please pray for them. This is what's going on and updating them. And it, it was just this beautiful gift to be able to see him want to be a father right? and want to like be good for his family. Right. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Uh, it's good to know that. Well, I mean, I think we already know that um, encountering God can really change everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's such a great example of that. Um, Father Norfolk, do you have any, any yeah. good stories? Yeah. The biggest example I like to use with people is that we get to open the veil They drive by this big brick building, stone building, and they have no idea what goes on inside of this prison building. Mm -hmm. And they see these people on TV, and we get to open the veil and say, well, that guy that you saw, yes, was very angry and had serious substance abuse issues, but six months ago, he was baptized and was confirmed and is now receiving communion and going to confession on a regular basis. You know, So when we get to share with them stories of, yes, he did this horrendous thing, but now here's where he is, or this mother who has children and is concerned about her children is now working through a treatment program to get off of drugs so she can take care of her children. Right. Those are very important things for us to share because people know the statistics, they hear the stories, but they don't always know the personal dimension of the people's lives. Right, right. Um, okay, great. So are there any saints that are especially good for those in prison or that you've noticed seem to, I always say sta- saints stalk us. <laughs> when when we need them, they're like, hey, you need me right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any particular saints that are really good for them? Yeah, I'll start and I'll let Mo chime in too. Um, definitely Jesus himself was in prison. Sure. Many of the apostles were in prison. And then if we move 1900 years forward, probably the most common one, uh, St. Maximilian Kobe was in a concentration camp in Poland um, Jacques Fesch is another one that we're learning about. He was in France and uh, grew up Catholic, straight away from his faith, eventually committed murder, but then had a conversion before he was put to the guillotine. Um, and more and more, uh, those that uh, ministered to people in prison, for example, um, even if they themselves have never been in prison, mm-hmm. um, or uh, you know those who were imprisoned um, because of a war situation in the oh, 20th sure. century. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're learning more about military personnel that uh, were captains in the military or priests and were imprisoned. Um, Saint Edith Stein, for example, Carmelite was in a concentration camp, and so yeah, I think people would be surprised in some ways at how many there are. Yeah, yeah, are. for sure. Anything, any you can come up with, Mo? I mean, I think they're a fan of like the bold, like. 
<laughs> intensely sure. passionate ones like that makes sense. St. Paul, you know, or St. Augustine, like mm-hmm. the ones that like they've had kind of a rough life. Sure. And then they had this major conversion and now they're like full force for the Lord. Yeah. I think those are really inspiring yeah. to them. St. Paul would be, and Augustine, but St. Paul would be a natural one because he really persecuted Christians mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> in a different time may have been in prison for that yeah. <laughs> yeah. had he not converted. So uh, a very natural fit. Yeah. Um, so what kind of impact has this ministry had on the two of you, do you think? Yeah, I appreciate that question because oftentimes the question comes of how are we impacting mm-hmm. them? But uh, definitely any prejudices that I grew up with uh, about race, about nationalities, the town I grew up in, maybe I knew two African-American kids. Right Now I interact with African-Americans every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of those prejudices have been able to fall away. Thanks be to God, he's expanded my heart mm-hmm. to see beyond people's skin. But also the same thing, uh, tattoos, earrings, a lot of that's passed away too mm-hmm. because we know underneath the, the skin of people in that sense. So it's it's taught me to look deeper at people and to, to really give them a, a second deeper chance than what they say in gruff ways or what they look like right. in exterior ways. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, how about you? Yeah, I think there's like three main things mm-hmm. if I have to summarize. Um, scripture, like hearing scripture when you're like in prison at mass, it's like, whoa, that sounds so different in here. Even just like how much they talk about prison in the Bible. I'm like, I didn't think about that before, but now I'm sitting next to someone who has a life sentence. This just hits me different. Yeah. Um, And then just like a gratitude for being raised in the church Mm -hmm. and like the beauty that is the Catholic church and how she understands human beings. Right. Um, it's such a gift to like, I'm founded on that, but then also to be able to share that with people who don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is just a deep understanding of like mercy and forgiveness in a new way. Yeah. Uh, like hearing about these men's lives and like the crimes they've committed or whatever they want to share. And like, it's very easy for me to see like, wow, you had a really rough childhood. You had a lot of things working against you, um, but I can see your goodness, but you can't see your own goodness. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be able to reflect like how God made you good. And like, it's this beautiful and humbling place to, to try to tell someone like how you're made good and how you need to forgive yourself. And in, and in learning about, teaching them that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really hard on myself in this area of my (laughs) life. Or like, I'm not merciful to myself and not, not saying I'm going to make excuses for myself, but like, I need to be gentle because like, I want this man who did these crimes to be gentle to like with himself and allow the Lord to love him in that place. But I need to learn that in a deep way too. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. All right, guys, we're out of time. We have to give some time to Dr. Bergwald in the beginning of the show. So (laughs) thank you so much for being here and telling us about what you do. It's very eye-opening to me and I hope to everybody else who's listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you. you. All right. Next week, we will have Monsignor Charles Mangan will be back with us to tell us about his call to the priesthood. It's a great conversation. I hope you will come and join us for that. Uh, That's it for us today. Join us next week for more Catholic Views. (laughs) 